Welcome back to the Two Spies Podcast. We're continuing our study in the book of Genesis. In the last two episodes, we kind of began our study on the book of Genesis, and we hit on theism versus naturalism and focused on Genesis 1-1-1-2 for the most part, and gave some thoughts about the Big Bang Theory and our thoughts about uh, a creator. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in depth in the future. But we're continuing really diving into the scripture context of the book of Genesis. Remember to go visit us online at twospies.net and to subscribe. Well, in the Bible, we get a pattern uh, like we spoke about in our last podcast. One pattern we come across, not just because the Bible says so, but because we can observe it today, is things or creatures producing after its own kind. We get that going through Genesis 1-1. Another is that God creates or is a creator. So through this pattern, we are learning about who God is and who he is not. Uh, In verse 3, we have God making an object we call light. God didn't create darkness per se. By default, darkness exists when light exists. I find that interesting because it seems to answer some questions we raise. While we don't deal with it totally right now, or while we while we won't, I will mention a small thought about the question raised, did God create evil? Because it seems to be a question raised often. Anything apart from God is evil by default. Uh, God is holy, good, love, just, etc. So anything apart from him is unholy or hate, unjust, evil, etc. This means that This means by God being good, there's a possibility of evil if there are creatures that can choose to separate or leave him. Since God is fully good and fully whole within himself, he wouldn't need or even desire to be apart from himself. Think of it like this. You're in a dark room developing pictures. It's not a dark room, technically. It's a room without light. Dark, by default, is the absence of light. We know it's dark because the absence of light. So going back to Genesis uh, 1-3, God creates light in this space. And by space, I don't mean the universe with stars and planets like we think about it. I mean space between two objects or more. Um, Like if you're across from one person, there's space in between you. I'm talking about that kind of space. So really, in the beginning, known to men, uh, God created this space and filled this space with the heavens. Heavens and the earth. God was to dwell in the heavens, and He would create us to dwell on the earth, which we'll get to uh, coming up. And God creates light and separates it from darkness. The word separate in Hebrew is bedalamed, which means to withdraw or divide from. So God fills this space with light and then withdraws light and kind of channels it, as we will read coming up, channels it to where light is withdrawn by default and where the light is withdrawn, that area becomes dark or darkness. But before I kind of go on, let me move back kind of to verse 2 when Moses mentions darkness over the face of the deep. I believe that when you take it in context, Moses isn't talking about the absence of light here because light hasn't been created. But he's describing that there was nothing there except space. I mean, there was nothing well, swing off topic just for a moment, um, because creation takes place by God's spoken word. You know, God said, and bam, there it was. Uh, David, do you believe that it was God's literal voice creating, or what are your thoughts on that? Do we, do I think that God actually spoke to cause things into motion? That would I, if 
if God spoke literally out loud and made a, a audible sound, whether there's anybody there to hear or not, if he made an audible sound into space that where it contained a matter that he had created, technically by the way sound actually works scientifically, then he could affect change by speaking. Well, here's one thing, though. We can't hear radio waves. But sound waves, uh, I, I guess we cannot say these are the same. They are a lower, 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 lower frequency. You know, gamma rays, X-rays, infrared, visible light, excuse me, gamma rays, X-rays, ultraviolet, visible light, infrared, microwaves, radio waves, and on from there, you do eventually get down to sound waves. That's slow. I can't. I don't think that uh, it's the same carrier particle. Photons being the carrier particle for all of those, only a difference in frequency or wavelength. But sound waves are not actually the same thing. And I can't say they work the same. Maybe they do work the same. I get. Yeah, honestly, they do. Gamma rays start from stars in the center as they go out and they bombard other particles they lose energy so they slow down every time they hit one piece of something else it absorbs some of that energy the main particle that's going out which is a photon at a gamma ray frequency uh, rate slows down eventually until it hits into the uh, x-rays slows down more as it hits more things so as you keep on going through the visible light range through infrared microwave radio the sound waves are a lower frequency, but the way sound works, the way you're hearing my voice across this room, and the way that the listener is hearing this from their speakers is that sound comes out and pushes particles. You're not hearing what's coming out of my mouth. The inf- you're not hearing the influence of what's coming out of my mouth as much as your eardrums are feeling the influence as if you picture multiple tennis balls through a, uh, a toilet paper tube or a paper towel tube. I only hit the one on this end. It hits the next one. It hits the next one. That one hits the next one until one of those actually is close enough to your ear drum to hit your eardrum. That's how sound works. So that's why I can hear the trains over uh, in Taylor's near my house better when I wake up in the morning if it's a really foggy, hazy day. There's more stuff in the air for the sound to hit. So the sound actually goes further. It has more things to go through and carry its sound. Now, you know I want to layer this back and then relayer it. Uh, if we layer it back and say that the source where the, the, the electromagnetic waves come from, the gamma rays that come from the center of stars, they had the highest frequency and they had the most energy to do damage to something. The source that they came from is the highest place of power. So if the sound that's causing chains in the universe comes from God and he is the source is going to have the highest amount of power behind the words and then Jesus goes and says okay your servant's healed he is he's the source he is God his his words carry the most power I don't know that's probably reaching far but well, we believe, um, as we've been saying, God can be knowable and reveals himself through revelation and creation. We can understand parts of God through the pattern um, in his revealing and creation. You know, I had an agnostic friend who said, I don't think we can say there is or isn't a God, but I tend to think that it's highly unlikely that there is. Even if there is a God, there's so many beliefs out there 
I don't think we can really know or can know the real guy. We just kind of pick and choose what we think who he would be. And my response uh, was, you can only say someone is unknowable if you know if you know about them, if you know that they are unknowable, that means that God can be known if he exists. And then you can go through, like I said, deduction, like we talked about in the last two episodes about creation, the big bang theory. And that's one thing that we kind of learn in Genesis. God is revealing himself through creation and pattern that we can plainly observe to this day. That people seem to um, talk about observation. I do, I do think that the longer I look at this book and the deeper I look into it, the more I see of him, it's usually a deeper knowing of something I already know. That that sounds elementary, but I can just say that I can look into it in different ways than just reading the black and white words on the page and find more things. And they usually say the same thing over and over again. Uh, as I get into Hebrew words and, and numbers and the symbols that symbolisms that go with numbers and colors and metals, the symbolism that go with metals. You can look at all those things wherever you find them, and most of the time it's the gospel message again and the Great Commission. No matter what I find in the story, you take a, there are different stories, you can take a, all the people's names in that story and define all their names and their root, root verbs and nouns, and you can lay the gospel out, or you can lay the Great Commission out. I've seen that a bunch of times, and you think it's a needle in a haystack the first time you find it, and then you start thinking, there's a whole bunch of needles in here. And after a while, it's almost kind of like, I, f- I found a piece of hay in this needle stack. <laughs> and we'll get more into those type of things as time goes on. Um, even in Genesis, we have some interesting things to talk about, hidden meanings, and um, some things that we find interesting that we'll reveal um, last week, you know, we I believe we got up to verse 13. So we'll kind of begin right here at verse 14. Okay, Genesis 1, 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. I wanted to start right here just to say, because we've had this discussion before too, uh, when you're coming up in high school, college, you think, uh, man created time. Time is, we should be free. No, man didn't create time. We just discovered how to keep track of it with a wristwatch because we noticed that God was already keeping track of it with the, the stars and the sun and the moon and the seasons. And it is, it's, it's clockwork already before we discovered how to mimic it with our machinery. Yeah. But, but God made time. Uh, and we said it last week too, the last, last podcast. He made time when he made light. That's all tied together. You know, kind of pausing right here, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on something. You know, I've heard people use this verse to approve astrology or getting their signs read and so forth. I've read where people use this and point to, you know, the star of Bethlehem and say it was a sign. So um, what's wrong with horoscopes? What's wrong with astrology? So I'm curious what your thoughts are since you kind of really um, dealt with that in your personal life. 
I'll hit this one head on. Before I was saved, this is what I came out of. I came out of astrology, paganism, nature worship, uh, ritual magic, that kind of stuff. In studying the planetary orbits, etc., um, I had mapped out my own. I got where I could map other people's. Uh, I learned all the zodiac signs. I learned which which signs ruled which planet, which planets rule which uh, body part. Like I'm a, a Gemini. That's my sun sign. Well, Geminis are good with their hands. I do lots of things with my hands. <laughs> But they also have, uh, they rule the lungs. I happen to have asthma. Well, in my younger years, I chalked all that up to, well, this is, this is how I was kind of programmed to be. Um, but then you have, uh, like, uh, my moon is in Cancer. Cancer rules moon. Moon is a water thing. Cancer is a water sign. I'm super over emotional, like a stick in the sea, like with a storm going on. I'm just up and down, and I've been that way my whole life. That, uh, uh, hopeless storm of emotion is the main thing that, that God saved me from. Some people got saved from porn. Some got saved from cigarettes. Some from alcohol. I got saved from this black pit of constant depression all the time. That's that's where I have always been. All that said, let me give you a difference. When I used to study that and try to make my decisions based on what the the sun and the moon and and where Jupiter was and this kind of stuff and there's it's a big deal that sometimes uh, Mercury and, and Venus are in retrograde retrograde they're moving backwards according to our perspective because of their inside of our orbit to the sun so that all matters and you see that stuff play out and I don't say it doesn't work and God right here doesn't say it doesn't work it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that magic doesn't work or astrology doesn't work. He never says that. In fact, it does work. Yeah. He tells you not to use it. So the other side of the coin I want to give you is uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, was a farmer. My last name is Farmer. He is, his last name was Galloway. He's actually a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> he has the kind of knowledge where he says, uh, well, uh, so every squirrel I've seen this year has this extremely bushy tail. It's going to be a hard winter. All the squirrels are saving up a whole lot of uh, uh, acorns. It's going to be a hard winter. I saw a wolf worm. It's black all the way across. It's going to be a hard winter. Or I saw a wolf worm and the head's black and the back of the body's brown. It's going to be a hard winter. It's going to go to a lighter winter later. I've watched these things. They work. He was a farmer, though. He used these things to see what was going to happen with his food. He was growing but well-known by his Baptist minister. He hung out with his Baptist minister outside of church on a regular basis. But uh, he knew these things that were going to happen. He's the one that, that had... Uh, I was just starting to listen when he died. I was 18. I was just coming around to start to realize this old guy's got some cool knowledge. I need to soak this up. And then he, he's, he dies. But uh, some of the things I got about uh, the signs and about farming, etc., was a moon dog. A moon dog will come before the winter. If you're paying attention, you're outside and you see it. That's the white halo ring around the moon. It is there like a rainbow because of moisture in the sky. How many stars are visible inside the circle is how many snows you're going to have this year. 
I've, I've tracked this multiple times and put this one along with this other one. This other rule is if snow is on the ground for three days or more, you will have snow again. So putting those two rules together, by the way, it's uh, past couple you know, in the past week, 70 degrees, we're going to have snow again, period, this year. So <laughs> that's not a prophecy. It's just watching the sign I've already proved before. But in the past, putting these together, I have seen a moon dog. Inside that was visible three stars. We're going to have three snows that year. First snow comes along, falls, stays on the ground for almost a week. It was like, I think it was six days. It's going to snow again. It's on the ground more than three. It did snow again. It stayed on the ground for about four days. It's going to snow again. How many stars did we see in the moon dog? We saw three. The last third snow comes, falls, melts one day, period, gone. It was the last one of the year. He did not use these things to figure out if he should play the lottery. <laughs> he didn't use astrology to figure out who he was going to marry or where he should move to, what kind of job he should get, blah, blah, blah. If he's going to find true love, he didn't use it all, all that. He believed in the Bible. He was a church-going man. I remember him uh, speaking... Uh, his concern for me when I was younger and I was not saved uh, and something near tragic happened to me. And he, he, I remember him telling me, I just hope you're right with the Lord. That's what he believed in. He didn't believe in the stars in the sky. He didn't believe in astrology. He didn't believe, well, David's a Gemini, so he's a thinker. I am a thinker, but it's not because I'm a Gemini. It's because God made me. And maybe it has something to do with me being a Gemini. I don't put stock in that. I don't go check my, my horoscope sure. daily in the in the newspaper. So that's my take on it. There are two different purposes for it. But here, here it's just saying it's a marker for time. Time exists, four seasons. People are going to be working. That's what, it's what he creates Adam and puts him in the garden for, to work the ground. Putting stock in, I see, he saw this as something that was given by God to help him with his crops. He didn't see this as a religious system, which is what I used to live it as when I lived as, uh, you know, in a zodiac mindset. So there, there's the, the hair I see to split on that one. Well, there are some interesting thoughts. I've never really uh, thought about it in that way. So I think you explained it pretty well. Um, let's move kind of to the next day, uh, verses 20 through 23. This one has an interesting uh, uh, suggestion about mythologies that are floating around. The word here for great sea creatures is taninim. You'll find uh, taninim or tanin or tan throughout the Old Testament in, in the Hebrew. It is translated at different times as whales, dragons, sea monsters, serpents, or jackals. Now, it's real easy, of course. I can see the, the, the correlation between whales and sea monsters. I can see a correlation between sea monsters and serpents. I can see between serpents and dragons. Dragons, sea monsters, serpents. The one that really gets me is jackal. How does, how does this become a jackal? I did some word tracing one time. This is related to the uh, verb for to gape, like a gaping mouth. So... A jackal approaches you, a dragon approaches you, a whale comes up and you see him above the water and he opens his mouth. They're all gaping. So that's the, the little relation there. Uh, let's see. I've got a couple of different little things here about this, though. Tiny name. Ezekiel 29. 
In Ezekiel 29, 3, well, let's start at 2. Uh, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. So that tells you there who God is telling Ezekiel to go speak to. Speak and say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his streams, that says, My Nile is my own. I made it for myself. Just a place here where uh, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is likened to a Tynanim, if you're just following the word around. Another place I thought was rather interesting uh, is over in Isaiah 27. Isaiah is a neat book, and I have done some looking into this concept that I'm going to do right here. Uh, well, excuse me, there's there's multiple concepts that I have heard uh, overlaid on Isaiah. One being Isaiah has 66 chapters. There are 66 books in the Bible. Chapter 1 of Isaiah corresponds to Genesis. Chapter 5 would correspond to Deuteronomy, and so on. Right. And I've seen it play out. Like you can go to, uh, let's give you an example right quick. So if we go to, say, John, John is the 43rd book. So if we go to Isaiah 43, what's in the third chapter of John? What's the famous verse everybody knows? John 3.16. John 3.16. So uh, if we go, and this is some of the things I've, I've done through Isaiah, Go to the book number, John's 43rd book, go to Isaiah 43. Go to something that you know there and see what corresponds in the verse. So chapter 3 of John, Isaiah 43's verse 3 is, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Which is, you know, in a nutshell, the gospel is not word for word. Sure. There are some places I have found it's like, it's dead on word for word stuff. Or it'll be exact opposite concepts. It'll fall verse to verse like that, verse to chapter like that. Either way, in uh, Isaiah 27, let's see, verse 1. In that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. You have two things here, Leviathan and Leviathan, two different kinds of Leviathan, and the Tanin, again, which is a dragon, sea serpent, sea monster, whale. I just thought it was neat as I started looking through this. If you back up to Isaiah 24, I'm going to give you just, and you can, most likely you can look in your Bible and just see chapter headings, which we know are not inspired, but they just give you a rundown right quick of what the chapter is about. Chapter 24 is judgment on the whole earth. And, and yeah, if it's, it's not <laughs> inspired, but you can read through the chapter and see that it's judgment on the whole earth. It's real easy to see. What happens after judgment on the whole earth? Chapter 25, God will swallow up death forever. Judgment on the whole earth, swallow up death forever. Uh, let's see, what was next? Isaiah 26, verse that kind of carries it. Uh, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is the dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Resurrection. So, what do we have after we have judgment of the whole earth? We have death swallowed up. What do we have after we have death swallowed up? Resurrection of the dead. A uh, neat little thing that comes next. Uh, 
still in, in chapter 26. That was verse 19 I read. Verse 20, Come, my people, this is God speaking, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the fury has passed by. We have God's people being hidden until fury passes by. We have resurrection and then God's people hiding until fury passes by. Wherever you want to stick the resurrection in Revelation, it comes before 12 in most uh, the pre or mid-trib ideas. <laughs> and then in chapter 12, you have uh, the people of God being hidden out in the desert for a time until the, the wrath passes by. And then Isaiah 26, the same chapter, the next verse, 21, 19, 20, and 21. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place to punish in the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The Lord's coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for sin. So we have, uh, start back in 24, Isaiah 24, judgment of the whole earth. Death is swallowed up. Chapter 25. Chapter 29, we have resurrection, the hiding of God's people, and God coming out of his place, being heaven, to the earth to judge the sinners. What do we have in chapter 27 then? We come back to the dragons. Verse 1. In that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. How many serpents or dragons do we have here? Three. So you have uh, the the dragon of Revelation and his two beasts, the false prophet and the, and the Antichrist. They're all judged, all three of them together. And then what do you have in Isaiah 27, right after the dragons are judged? Verse 2, in that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. We had this nice garden scenario going on again. This is just a small, I call these mini Bibles, M-I-N-I. They're small Bibles just stuck over a small range of Scripture. This is probably one of the longer, spread, more spread out ones. But uh, that's, that's what I did. I saw what I got when I followed uh, the dragon around. That's interesting. I never really dealt with the mini Bible aspect. So that's, that's kind of an interesting thought. Um, do you have any thoughts on verses 24 and 25? I want to go through one thing, man. We'll get into it more heavily in chapter two, which I think we we made an allusion to it last week. But uh, and God said, "Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds." And the word here is nefeshkaya. Nefeshkaya is basically life. It is a life. Uh, nefesh. Well, excuse me. Let's go with living. Chai is life or living. The, the name Eve is related to this word. So she is the mother of all the living, so Adam called her Eve right. or Chava. Nefesh is a, and this is just Strong's definition, soul, self, life, creature, person, appetite, mind, a living being, a desire, motion, a passion. These are the different ways this is translated. Uh, you'll find this same word, nefesh, sometimes translated, depending on what your translation you choose, uh, you'll find it interchangeably changed back and forth between soul and spirit. Spirit more often is, is uh, ruach, but nefesh is often changed back and forth between both. So this is the controversy that falls out. I, I want to 
<laughs> I want to take on this because uh, there's a tradition that goes around the church. Not just this one, but any tradition that goes around the church that we don't have scripture for, that people are just buying and they repeat it again because they heard somebody say it last week and that and that they've been hearing that in week to week succession for twenty years. They believe that's a Bible, and those uh, God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Completely antichrist. <laughs> well, nefesh, being a soul. It is the life breath that is in any inanimate object that makes it alive. An object which God puts together is, whether it's a bird's flesh or a dog's flesh or a dolphin or a whale or a tannin or a man, it is an inanimate object when he forms it and makes it. Before he breathes the breath of life into it, it is inanimate. When he breathes it into it, what he breathes in is the nefesh. The nefesh is the soul. Uh, I, I see one individual difference between us and the animals. Uh, I, I don't see them on our level in many of the ways that you, the Christian, who are listening, are afraid of. But we'll get into this more when we get into Chapter two, but I, I didn't want to pass over nefeshkaya because nefeshkaya is is an important phrase. It destroys some traditional rumors that are passed around the church again and again and again and again, over and over. It, it's that kind of thing. I just I want to deal with it when we come across it. It should be it should be banged in the head with scripture. Well, I know this may jump around, but I think we should kind of tackle what comes before us, even if it does mean jumping around a little bit to kind of help, you know, listeners might have questions as they read or or it might bring up thoughts that they never had that um, a question might arise in the future. Um, In verse 24, it says, let the earth bring forth living creatures. In verse 25 um, says, God made the beasts, uh, the land animals, so to speak. So verse 24 says the earth, verse 25 says God. Um, I think it's interesting that when it talks about the sea creatures or the plants, it plainly says God made. And I think it's interesting how the different usage of words and order are found in these two verses dealing with the land animals. Verse 24 talks about the earth bringing forth the living creatures. Then verse 25 kind of dictates that God actually made the beast. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to chapter 2 and look at verse, what is the 7? Verse 7 and verse 19. So in verse 7 and verse 19 of chapter 2 in Genesis, uh, there is one letter difference, and it does not change the meanings in these phrases here. Uh, In verse 7 in the English, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Uh, Here's the the main verb here. Of course, you're you're saying there's a little different phrasing there, and there is. God made on the very first page, uh, first first verb for create is bara. Uh, In the beginning, Bereshit, bara Elohim, created God. God created. That's just the difference sure. in, in grammar order. Then later on, you have uh, bena is another word, another verb for to make. Then you have uh, to make or to do asa. 
And then you also have this one right here in chapter 2 and verse 7, Yezer. So, uh, just reading chapter uh, 2, verse 7. Vayezer Adonai Elohim et ha'adam efer min ha'adamah. The verb here is vayezer. It's to form. So he took some dirt, because we know he used dirt. Right. He formed. And, and just the, the, there's different grammar orders. So in the common writing, not like poetical writing. The, the poetical writing, I think if I remember right, often corresponds a little closer to English. So we have, in English, we think and speak uh, subject noun, verb that that subject noun did, and object noun, which received the action of the verb. In Hebrew, you're going to have the subject, or excuse me, the verb, and then the subject noun, which did the verb. So you'll start the sentence out with a verb conjugated for that subject noun. Then you have the subject noun which did it. So the verb here, vayezer, and he formed. Then it tells you who did it. Yehovahim, uh, that's, that's Yehovah, God. And then you'll have a particle which is a uh, direct object marker eight. So you have vayezer Adonai Elohim, eight ha'adam. Ha is the Adam is man. So and he formed the Lord God. The man. And then it tells you what he made him from. Afar, which is dust, is the finest particles. Min, which is from, and ha'adama, the dirt. You hear the difference there. Ha'adam, which is the man. Ha'adama, which is the dirt. One is, uh, man is masculine and the dirt is feminine. If I, if, just looking at it right here. We could check into it, but I think that's, that's right on. So we go up to verse 19. This is chapter 2, verse 19. See if this sounds familiar. Vayezer yevayelohim min ha'adamah kol chayot chachasdei ve'et kol of. And we go through, he goes through every single and all of this, and all of this, and all of this. Our point's already made though. Vayezer adonai elohim min ha'adamah kol chayot. And he formed... Yehovah, God, mean from Ha'adama, the dirt. He's making, he's using the same verb. He's using the same material and the same person's doing it. Mean Ha'adama, he's, it's from the dirt. Kol Chayat in this one. Kol is all. Chayat is, uh, life. And then it goes through this, the rest of this verb, uh, rest of this verse saying, uh, the chaste, that's the field. Actually, it says kol chayat hasade. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hasade is the field. The echol of hashemayim, that's the birds of the heavens. And he goes on from there, just labeling all of them again. Well, we already have in the first chapter that these are the living creatures. If you follow this verse on out, uh, let's see. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. And we see in the Hebrew there, Vekolashir, Vayikralo, that is, and all that he called them, Hadma Nefeshchaya, all that he called them, and we have, that's the, basically your verb phrase, and then the, the noun who did the verb is the man, Ha'adam, Nefeshchaya, we had the living creatures again. 
So these are the, the, the living creatures, the Nefesh Chaya from chapter 1. They're here. They're being Yezer, formed, Min Adama from the dirt, by Elohim Adonai, or excuse me, Adonai Elohim, from the Lord God. And then you go back and listen. We, we forgot to get one thing at the end of verse 7. When he forms, Afar, the dust, the mean the finest particles, when he formed the man from the dust, he breathed the breath of life into him. And at the, the very close of that, in the English it says, And the man became a living creature. The Hebrew is Adam The man became a nefesh chaya. There is no difference in the material we're made from, the process we're made by, and what in the end we classify as. We are nefesh chaya. So my point is, what's the difference in us and animals? I'm not elevating animals in a way that most Christians are now afraid of. After hearing this, but there's only one difference left. Dominion. Dominion because of the image we're made in. And this goes back to according to its kind. That we looked at the whole first chapter. Right. If I, I threw out that idea that I think that eagles here look like eagles from heaven. They're eagle-like creatures in heaven. Sure. God made eagles here to mimic that. He's, he's made heaven and earth. Earth is a I don't want to say a mirror image, and I don't want to really say a shadow of. I think it's too different. It's kind of like when when I was younger and I would record music at home, and I couldn't decide between on this little part, I really like, or I like, I like two phrases here, and I can't decide which one to use. It's almost like God said, I'm going to do everything in two different ways. But he made some things out of spiritual matter. That's right. all the stuff in heaven. He made something out of physical matter. That's all the stuff in the physical universe. But if there are creatures there who like eagles, there are creatures here who like eagles. They're they're mirroring one another. They're made according to a kind. Well, yeah. what's a made according to the kind that God is? He made us in his image, which we're fixing to get to in a second. We're going to end this episode here. I want to encourage you to go through chapter one of Genesis yourself and write down your own thoughts. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you and see what uh, comes on your paper. If you have some thoughts to share, email us. Um, you can email me, Mark, at twospies.net, or you can email David, David, at twospies.net. Thanks for listening, and as always, subscribe to our podcast. Visit us online at twospies.net and spread the word. See you next week.